what was designated by the family, and hopefully they'll be in agreement mm-hmm. to um, accept that station, it is a big responsibility. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yes, and we feel that this will be one of the processes of uh, turning around the direction that our communities have been going through in the last uh, 40, 50, 60 years, and that is going away from uh, our traditional African roots of family values and community cohesiveness. You know, we had that at one time, even uh, those of us before we migrated up north from down south, we had that in place. We had that in place in our Caribbean uh, communities, throughout the African diaspora. But once we got, um, as Haj Malik Shabazz, Brother Malcolm X, Baba Malcolm said, we were hoodwinked and bamboozled to think that we could maintain a cohesiveness and a healthy family uh, uh, life structure by incorporating uh, the, the lifestyles and the moral uh, deficit of those people who really captured our ancestors and brought us here from the motherland. And then this changed our mindset and our spirit and from our rituals and the way that we worship the Most High. And, and, and it's just unfortunate. However, we're not going to labor on that. We're looking ahead very optimistically. And our show, we, we pray, will be a significant part of the uh, changing of the mindset and the direction that we've been going through up until uh, uh, this this recent period of our journey as a family of people of African descent. But without any more um, uh, discourse in that area, um, I I must uh, continue as we have a pretty exciting, very exciting show actually. Um, I as I mentioned, I'm an interfaith minister and a Reiki mat practitioner and a shaman, and my wife is uh, also a, a, a minister, interfaith minister, and a high priest, and a Reiki practitioner, and uh, she also is a, a, a teacher, a uh, formal teacher, a music teacher, and an educator, but more importantly, she's a spiritual, uh, not just an advisor, but a, a teacher, uh, one who assists those who really need uh, assistance in terms of uh, their spiritual journey. And also, uh, she's a healer, and she provides healing information on her show. And every Sunday morning at, um, at 10.30, she has a show that concentrates on uh, the, the curing and reversal of diabetes. Would you like to share anything with the audience about that? Surely. Thank you. Every Sunday morning, the show the new diabetesolution.com focuses on natural cures for diabetes. Mm-hmm. We don't recommend that anyone stop taking their prescription medication, but we do suggest that you talk with your doctor mm-hmm. and let them know about the product that we make available, the nat- natural organic diabetes solution supplement. Mm-hmm. The product has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and we're not making any claims of healing, and we're not making any recommendations because we're not medical doctors. Right. But I'm making that product available because I used it personally in my journey in reversing and curing diabetes within myself. Yes. And yes, that's yes. the whole point of the show, to assist others in being successful And, and that's something that, you know, we have to be concerned with, especially during this time of the year. Uh, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. Now we have Christmas approaching us in Kwanzaa and then New Year. And there's a, a propensity for many of us to engage in, in certain dietary uh, unhealthy uh, habits. Overeat. Overeat, or eating the wrong things, or not eating enough of the right thing, and, uh, of course, not drinking... Right, and not drinking enough water, you know, and just a host of things that we have to be mindful of that uh, as we get older, uh, the body is not as resilient as it used to be. So as uh, our friend, uh, uh, Brother Damien Garganius, who was on The Biggest Loser with his wife, my wife and I met him in uh, a park here in Brooklyn, New York, and he stated 
I was walking with him at the end of our uh, walk. I think that was a walk for cancer. No, for that. What was it a walk for? That was one of the walks for cancer that for we cancer. participated in. Right. And they were spokespeople for that. Yes, walk. yes. And I was also one of the sponsors was a brother who is devoted to fitness for children. Yes. For, di- for, for diabetes. I mean, for uh, obesity. For obesity. For children to exercise and lose weight. And he was saying that everyone. Uh, whether they know about it, we have, uh, what is it, a million or two million of us uh, in our communities throughout the country who have uh, diabetes that don't even know it. It's actually 3.7 million, close Three, to 4 million wow, people. Wow, 3.7 million. Who are walking around with diabetes and they're not aware of it. Right. Yes. And Damien had mentioned that all of us are just one meal away from, meal away. from being diabetic, I, I or at least showing the symptoms of diabetes. I remember he said that. Yes, one meal away. One meal away. So we have to remain cognizant of the fact that it behooves us to uh, be mindful of what we eat. Because as you know, um, I always uh, talk about the runner's uh, motto, I mean the um, mantra, the the mantra of uh, the body keeps score. The body keeps score, score. yes. It keeps score what you put into it, right, and it keeps in terms of what's good for you, and it keeps score what you put into your body, what is bad for you. And it just as a matter of it coming to a certain number that says, you know, where the flag goes up and says, hey, the jib's the, the up, you got to stop. But you know? that also includes, we don't talk about this a lot, but that also includes lack of sleep. Many people oh, yeah, do yeah. not have healthy um, sleeping habits. Yes. And one thing that Dr. Chris Saltpaw, my naturopathic doctor, said, mm-hmm. You can't lose weight if you don't get enough sleep. Right? Ah, isn't that, that something? Yes, yes. And you were just mentioning obesity, and mm-hmm. that thought came to my head that many people are burning the candle from both ends, mm. and they're wondering why they're not losing weight. Yeah, yeah. You have to get enough rest, otherwise you won't be able to lose weight. And also the body cannot even process the, the healthy food, the, the, the nutritional food that you've eaten. It's not able to process it thoroughly. Yes. If, we, if you're not asleep, because that's the, the time where the body is able to concentrate on digesting the, the food and processing it and having it being absorbed into the bloodstream and so forth. Oh, yes, all of the bodily systems, mm-hmm. digestive system, the endocrine system, all mm-hmm. of the body's major systems yes. are working when we're sleeping. Absolutely, absolutely. And then also um, the dreams. You know, you, you, which is going to segue into the book that I'm about to share, okay. The Seat of the Soul. You know, there's more so uh, of reality and realness in terms of the unseen as opposed to the seen. And we're led to believe that the dream state is something that's really not important in our lives, but there's some communities, especially within the indigenous community, they hold very, very close to the reality of the dream. Yes. You know, they do readings on that. They ask that you remember your dreams, and they go to the uh, the, um, the, the, the the reader uh, of the community uh, to have readings done and divinations. You know, and the dream world is, is the world which you can connect with the unseen, which you can connect with the spirits, which you connect with the guardians. You can connect with the spiritual world and the spiritual realms and those uh, entities that are able to guide you and assist you in your journey of life. Yes. So, Again, that brings me uh, to uh, this. Touching upon our last show, we featured the book written by Gary Zukav, uh, titled The Seat of the Soul. And many who had listened to the show found the book to be very interesting, including my wife, who was here with me last week as co-host. And we both found it to be very informative with regard to the essence of the personality versus the soul of a person. So with this evening, uh, we will conti- again continue to talk about uh, and share with the audience the essence of the seed of the soul as written by Gary Zukov. Gary states that the human spirit is uh, as a subject that inspires one to realize the unlimited perceptions of reality. And he states that be it from a Western European or an Afrocentric perspective, uh, we have the opportunity to explore uh, perceptions and values from a holistic platform of, of discussion. Actually, this is something that I am sharing. Uh, to unquote myself, though, uh, today we will discuss and review a book authored by Gary, as I mentioned, Gary Zukav, titled The Seed of the Soul. 
And in future shows, we will discuss books written by Dr. Amos Wilson, uh, such as The Falsification of African Consciousness, Dr. Joy DeGray. Uh, she wrote a very in, in interesting and important book titled Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, America's Legacy of Enduring Injury and Healing. And, of, and of course, we have uh, Dr. Wade Noble's uh, Afrocentricity and the Black Family, the Development of a Theoretical Model, and Dr. Naeem Akbar, uh, The Psychology of Slavery, and last but not least, Dr. Jeffrey Gardier, Post-Traumatic Slavery Disorder. So with the same extraordinary skill that he used to demystify scientific abstraction and the new physics, Gary Zukov, the award-winning author of Dancing of the Dancing Wu-Lai Masters, here takes us on a brilliant and penetrating exploration of the new phase of evolution that we have entered, quote-unquote. Gary explains that we are evolving from a species that pursues power based upon the perceptions of the five senses, i.e. external power, into a species that pursues authentic power, power that is based upon the perceptions and values of spirit. He shows how the pursuit of external power has produced our survival of the fittest understanding of evolution, generated conflict between lovers, communities, and superpowers, and has brought us to an edge of destruction. And using his scientists' eyes and philosophers' heart, Zukov shows just how infusing the activities of life and reverence, compassion, and trust makes them come alive with meaning and purpose. He also illustrates how the emerging values of the spirit are changing marriages into spiritual partnerships, psychology into spiritual psychology, and transforming our everyday lives, as quoted by Dr. Brian Wise. So uh, those of you who are listening, I welcome you to the guest room, to the chat room, rather, as guests. <laughs> and I welcome those of you who are tuning in and and listening on the phone, if you wish to share any thoughts, please feel free to join out our discussion by pressing the uh, one key and, and pound. And it would be a pleasure to uh, to share your questions and comments. Okay, at this point I'm going to take a short break, and when I return, I will uh, start reading excerpts from The Seat of the Soul. Of your personality is one 
is one of a myriad of experiences of your soul. The soul exists outside of time. The perspective of the soul is immense, and the perception of the soul is without the limitations of the personality. Souls that have chosen the physical experience of life as we know it as a path of evolution have, in general, incarnated their energies many times into many psychological and physical forms. For each incarnation, the soul creates a different personality and body. The personality and the body that, for the five-sensory human, are the experimental entirety of its existence and are, for its soul, the unique and perfectly suited instruments of a particular incarnation. Each personality contributes in its own special way with its own special aptitudes and lessons to learn, consciously or unconsciously, to the evolution of its soul. The life of a mother, a warrior, a daughter, a priest, the experiences of love, vulnerability, fear, loss, and tenderness, the struggles with anger, defiance, emptiness, and jealousy, all serve the evolution of the soul. Each physical, emotional, and psychological characteristic that comprises a personality and its body, strong or weak arms, dense or penetrating intellect, happy or despairing disposition, yellow or black skin, even hair and eye color, is perfectly suited to its soul's purpose. The five-century personality is not aware of the many other incarnations of its soul. A multi-sensory personality may be conscious of these incarnations or experience them as its own past or future lives. They are in its family of lives, so to speak, but they are not lives, uh, they are not lives that it itself has lived. They are experiences of its soul. And from the point of view of the soul, all of its incarnations are simultaneous. Hmm, that's interesting. And all of its personalities exist at once. Therefore, the release of negativity that occurs in one of the soul's incarnations benefits not only itself, but all of its soul's other incarnations also. Now, that's, that's very interesting. Because the soul itself is not confined to time, the past of a personality, as well as its future, is enhanced when a personality releases currents of fear and doubt. As we shall see, the release of negativity by a personality benefits a great many other dynamics of consciousness as well. And some of these can be perceived by the five-sensory human, but appear to him or her neither as dynamics of consciousness nor as related to his or her inner processes, such as the consciousness and evolution of his or her sex, race, nation, and culture. Others extend far beyond the perceptual ability of the five-century human. A conscious lifetime, therefore, is a treasure beyond value. So that's that's something to say in terms of those of us who actually are conscious of our uh, of our personality and conscious of our spirit, which happens as you do your studies. Yeah. You know, uh, we're benefiting many, many, many lifetimes. Yeah. We receive the benefit. And maybe that's what it has. Well, that's an explanation why some of us uh, lack the inclination to want to delve with really deep into understanding their 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 personalities because there's fear. Surely, most people don't want to know. Yeah, and along with the fear, also there's responsibility. Exactly. So we tend to take take on, or we 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 uh, embrace religions. They keep us in a state of fear, yeah. which even compounds the situation. Okay. And also, um, uh, uh, we're able to to share the responsibility with an outside entity outside of yourself to 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 mitigate or to lessen the fear or to take the responsibility away from you. I can see people doing that. Sure. Hmm. So that's very interesting. Uh, as Gary says, he says, a consciousness lifetime, therefore, is a treasure beyond value. The personality and its body are artificial aspects of the soul. 
And when they are served, when they have served their functions at the end of the soul's incarnation, the soul releases them. They come to an end, but the soul does not. So after an incarnation, the soul returns to its immortal and timeless state. It returns once again to its natural state of compassion, clarity, and boundless love. And he says that this is the context in which uh, evolution occurs. The continual incarnation and reincarnation of the energy of the soul into the physical arena, into our earth school. And he says, why does this happen, he questions. Why is it necessary even to speak of personalities and souls? The incarnation of the soul is a massive reduction of the power of the soul to a scale that is appropriate to a physical form. It is a reduction of the immortal life system into the framework of time and the span of a few years. It is the reduction of a perceptual system that partakes simultaneously through direct experience of countless lifetimes, some of them physical and some of them non-physical, to the five physical senses. The soul chooses voluntarily to undertake this experience in order to heal. The personality is those parts of the soul that require healing, along with those parts of the soul, such as compassion and love, that the soul has lent to the process of healing in that lifetime. The splinted aspects of the soul, the aspects that require healing, need to interact in physical matters so that each part of the splinteredness can become whole. The personality is like a complex medulla that is formed from these splintered parts in addition to the parts that are not splintered. It comes directly from the parts of the soul that the soul has chosen to work on in this lifetime to heal. And that need to experience physical matter and those parts that the soul has given to the process of healing in which you are involved. Therefore, you can see within a person's personality the splintered suffering of the soul from which it was formed, as well as the grace that the soul has earned, which is the loving part of the personality. Consider how powerful the soul is if it can have a part of itself that experiences great love, a part of itself that experiences fear, a part that is perhaps neutral, a part that experiences schizophrenia, and a part that is dramatically compassionate. Any of these parts are incomplete. The personality that the soul forms will be out of harmony. The harmonious personality is one in which the soul flows easily through the part of itself that is in touch with his physical incarnation. I thought as I was reading of that, of the Christ, Jesus Christ, who exemplified all of those qualities, those positive, those grand qualities of compassion and love. And, and that's why, you know, billions of us gravitate to his to his life in the physical form. And that's why we, we embrace the concept of him being the Son of God, an extension spirit, because God, the essence of God, that concept is of un, 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 unlimited love, unconditional love, no fear. So there's, there's a reason why when we hear this story, whether it be in the Bible, in the Holy Bible, in the Quran, in the Torah, in the Bhagavad Gita, you know, that essence, even though we might not understand it in the five sensory perception but the soul recognizes it, and it yearns, that splintered part of it yearns to, to connect. Is that something that resonates with you? Do, you? do you get that? Am I being clear in that perception, do you feel? No, I, I agree. When you said that, I thought of the comedic orientation, ah, uh-huh. where... Um, Jesus, where Yeshua would be compared to the guardian Haru. Mm. Haru had to have that unconditional love and that forgiveness and, and that knowingness, that understanding that there has to be dark in order for light to exist and vice versa. 
which is why he did not slay his brother Set, even though Set killed their father. Mm. And he was avenging their father. Mm-hmm. But he had that unconditional love. He had that fearlessness. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm also looking at some of the other kinetic guardians when we talk about unconditional love, and I'm looking at um, at um, our guardian, us. Mm. Mm-hmm. It shows that unconditional love. And I could go on and on, but, you know, to... But to answer your question, mm-hmm. yes, you know, you're, you're not being, you know, far-fetched is what you were saying. Right. I, I 100% related to it. And uh, then I started thinking about the Hindu. Mm. I started thinking about the Hindu culture. Yes. And I started thinking about the fearlessness, and I started thinking about the unconditional love and the, and the power and the the ability to change and transform others, and I started thinking of Mahalakshmi. Ah, yes, yes, yes. So, you know, again, being cross-cultural, multicultural, interfaith, whatever you want to Mm -hmm. label it, it enables you to really see beyond the surface. Absolutely. And it enables you to recognize that we truly all are one. Yes, absolutely. And that we truly are all connected. Mm-hmm. When we go into the areas of Ifa, think of the various Eurishas, uh, which control passion, compassion, or oversee that area of, of consciousness. Well, when uh, I experience the Eurisha, in line with what you said, there are two guardians, two Orisha actually, guardians, but you know, I'll, I'll use the correct, politi- politically correct term, being that you said Yoruba. The uh, two of the Orisha who, I, they knew me before I knew them. Yes. Were Obakala and Yemaya, mm-hmm. both of which are the epitome mm-hmm. of that loving and kindness and peace. Right. Preaching peace. Because not all of them, as you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. are peaceful. Absolutely. But that was with the same with me. I guess that's what drew, drew us together, to, towards each other. The Batala, without me knowing, was in my essence. And, of course, Shango, with my having the affinity for drumming. Absolutely. You know? So there's something to say about that. And then, of course, going back to the Hindi uh, area of uh, Ganesh and uh, um, other uh, uh, deities, uh, Vishnu, Shiva, you know, Radha, Radha Govinda, Hanuman. You know, I mean, we're, we're, there's so much of knowledge that's there in content. I see that I have a, a listener on the line. Would you like to share some thoughts with us? If you do, please feel free to push number one. Button number one and pound, I believe. Oh, just one. Actually, just push one. one. You don't have to hit pound. Just and one. And if you have any questions, any comments, video. yes, you can definitely uh, uh, come on and, and feel free to share with us. And I just want to thank you for listening as well. Uh, so, yes, there's something to say about about dealing with the, the, uh, um, the essence of karma and how the personality deals with that. Um. And when people hear the word karma, I'm going to stretch out there and assume that the orientation that they automatically think of is the Hindu orientation. Oh, yes. You hear the word karma. Because that's what we're we're accustomed to. We've adopted that term. I know I use it all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the first that I had learned of it years ago, probably when I was in my teens, and that was the first time I was introduced to the, to the concept of karma, mm. and it was from the Hindu orientation. Mm. So uh, I just I feel so blessed to, to to be alive and to be conscious and to be healthy and to have the, uh, the, the emotional and mental health and spiritual health to be able to embrace this understanding, uh, such as the concept of karma. Uh, Because then you can truly uh, keep yourself, number one, in alignment with what is righteous, 
what is the right thing to do. There are many of us who claim to be ministers and priests, guardians of the Most High, purveyors of truth and spirituality, but who have a lot of negative karma, uh, doing a lot of negative things karmically, which uh, not only is not good for themselves, but for the people who are following them and who they're uh, supposedly assisting. I like to use the word, the, the phrase that I picked up from an author, and it's, it's a shame that I can't think of his name offhand, but um, the book is The Transformation, and the author uses the term stage four consciousness, uh-huh. which is what we're approaching, and actually with the ushering in of the year 2012, mm-hmm bringing us closer and closer to the stage for consciousness. And in line with what you just said about different spiritual practitioners, it's true. But one thing that I like about the Christian Bible are some of the phrases which I've I've grown to just, you know, adopt them. And I like the phrase, well, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Absolutely. Because we can always criticize the efforts of someone else, Mm -hmm. but we all, but we all have our own stuff Absolutely. that we have to deal with. And, okay, someone might have embezzled. Does that make them any less no. wrong than someone who might have been a murderer? They're no. both wrong. It's not Absolutely. really for us to judge the degree of what Absolutely. someone did. But mm-hmm. I, I just really think about that when I think about a lot of spiritual practitioners because um, – I recognize that no matter what someone might be doing that might be an aversion to someone, mm-hmm. there's just as many people that they've helped. Right. And those people that they've helped are sing those same people's praises. Mm-hmm. Well, we are living in the age of Kali Yuga, age of conflict and war, and that's what's, as it indicated in the Gita, uh, that lasts over uh, 200,000 years. Yes. You know, and we're it's a long time. We're, we're, we're at the beginning of that, but the beginning of the change of, of that, of, of ending of conflict. And we can see that happening, you know, just reading the media, what's happening around the world, certain governments are being overthrown, uh, people are coming to a certain uh, consciousness of having the audacity to protest for change and risking their lives. Yes. You know, not having to be soldiers. You know, they're actually becoming spiritual warriors, as it were. Yes, they are. So let me continue here with uh, what Gary shares about uh, the word karma and the concept of that. He states that the soul is, and I must also share with the listening audience that the reason why I chose uh, to read books such as this, excerpts from uh, the books such as The Seed of the Soul and other books that I've featured, is because uh, there are many of us who, uh, number one, who live throughout the African diaspora, particularly in those are the ones that myself being uh, an, an African uh, who happens to live here in America, born here uh, in America. I recognize that some of us don't, many of us, millions of us don't have access to these books. Uh, and many of us do, are not able to read. Uh, I think we are one out of uh, every three people are literate and, and can read. So uh, then, of course, we have those who can read but who have poor eyesight, who may be blind or confined to a hospital bed, and on and on. So I I chose this format to facilitate those in that arena um, who are being challenged in that arena. And then, of course, uh, also I I want to inspire dialogue uh, amongst us, those who are not handicapped or challenged in any way, but to uh, just, you know, share what's, what's of interest with me and my wife and to hopefully have a healthy dialogue so that we can uh, assist one another in, uh, in, in our journey. So I just wanted to add that. Uh, he states that uh, the personality emerges as a natural force from the soul. It is an energy tool that the soul adapts to function within the physical world. And he says that each personality is unique because the configuration of energy of the soul that is formed, that it's unique. It is the persona of the soul, so to speak, that interacts with the physical matter. It is a product that is formed from the vibrational aspect of your name, 
Mm, that's very intense. The vibrational aspect of your name, the vibrational aspect of your relationship to planets at the time of your incarnation, which is now he's talking about astrology. And then it also involves the vibrational aspects of your energy environment, as well as from the splintered aspects of your soul that need to interact in a physical matter in order to be brought into wholeness. Just starting from the end here, he says the vibrational aspects of your energy environment. How many of us are living in an environment that has negative energy? How many of us have to go to work in an environment every day where the energy is awesomely negative? Yes. Overwhelmingly negative. And that's where it comes into one having to incorporate, and we will discuss in future shows, the importance of uh, anointing oneself. If not anointing, smudging, having spiritual baths, being in a state of reverence, in a state of prayer. Being hefty. Ah, yes, yes, yes. That's the comedic uh, word for prayer. Yes. Yes. So saying your hesi, uh, indeed, not being around places, people, places, and things which are not clean, which are not in a high vibration, because it will rub off on you, as, his, as Grandma used to say. How about, and I love this because Deepak Chopra has this information in his book, Perfect Health. Ah, ah, ah. He says, do not eat with anyone that you don't like. Ah, because when you're sitting to eat, mm. when you're sitting to eat and your digestive system is working, that food can putrefy mm. in your system because you know that if you're angry or upset or annoyed and you're eating, that food becomes acidic ah. and it can make you sick. So you should really not eat with people that you don't like and a lot of times. And in the work environment, that's the very thing that you're doing. Then you say, well, I have to be politically correct. Well, we had to have lunch together. Well, actually, no, you didn't. You had a choice. Yes. Okay. But, um, but yeah. Well, that comes, to, that, that comes to, that? To, to, mind, to my mind of how many times I know I've been invited to a Thanksgiving Family dinner. Family reunion. Family <laughs> reunion. And, indeed, we have Christmas coming upon and then New Year's. Yes. And people are saying, you know, they were invited. You know, we need you to come because you're the life of the party, or you really bring, you know, stability and balance to 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 the party or to the gathering. And you might say, well, I decline, and then people cannot understand why you decline. Sometimes you don't even know why. But remember, you we know? had a guest on on New Star Talk Radio. Oh yeah, I remember. Who was group. complaining? Yeah. This was about a month ago, and he was complaining yeah. Yeah. about. Those families, the family yeah. gatherings, and the energy that was going yeah, that on. Was, and he was very upset. It's very real. That was the uh, extreme husband. Yeah. Right? Of his sister. Yes. Right? Or his niece. Right. And he couldn't, sister, he couldn't understand why the family wanted him to come to dinner. Even though his, you know, even though he had done some terrible things within the family, right. and they wanted him to come because he was the life of the party, right. he was complaining about that same exact thing, and that just proved, you know, it's very, very real mm-hmm. for people. Mm-hmm. It's something that has to be talked about. So maybe his personality or his soul, uh, which is splintered in that area, has to learn how to forgive. And, and if his sister was able to forgive, if her mother and the rest of the family was able to forgive, and they see something in uh, his uh, brother-in-law, uh, his estranged brother-in-law, that a quality that once he's healed that can really help not only himself but his wife and his children, if they had children, that they're willing to say, yes, let's give him another chance. So, so much Possibly. for that. But anyway, it would be interesting to hear from Bruce again. Oh, team. we will, because, he has, you know, he calls periodically, but he always has yeah. something profound to lay on us when he calls. Yes, indeed, yes. So, um, Gary continues to say, and, uh, oh, wow, we're almost uh, three-quarters into the show, so uh, I wanted to uh, definitely get more into this chapter before we end uh, this, this segment of, of, of the, of the uh, book for this particular show and continue next week. Uh, The personality does not operate independently from the soul, Gary says. To the extent that a person is in touch with spiritual depths, the personality is soothed because the energy of consciousness is focused on its energy core and not on its artificial facade, which is 
the personality. Again, he says, not for focus on its energy core. It is focused on its energy core, but not on its artificial facade, which is the personality. The personality sometimes appears as a force running rampant in the world with no attachment to the energy of its soul. This situation can be the origin of what we call an evil human being. It can be the origin of a schizophrenic human being. It is the result of the personality being unable to find its reference point or connection or its mothership, which is its soul. The, conflict, con the conflicts of a human's life are directly proportional to the distance at which an energy of personality exists separately from the soul, and therefore, as we shall see, in an irresponsible position of creation. When a personality is in full balance, you cannot see where it ends and where the soul begins. That is a whole human being. What is involved in the healing? What is involved within the healing of the soul? Most of us are accustomed to the idea that we are responsible for some of our actions, but not all of them. We consider ourselves responsible, for example, for the good deed that brings our neighbor and us together, or for the resp or responding to it positively. But we do not consider ourselves responsible for the argument between us and our neighbor, or for responding to it negatively. We consider ourselves responsible for having a safe trip if we take the time to check the condition of the car before starting. But if we speed around a car that, in our opinion, has been traveling too slowly and almost caused an accident by doing that, we consider the other driver to be responsible. If we feed and clothe ourselves through our successful business, we consider we credit ourselves. But if we feed and clothe ourselves by burglarizing apartments, we blame our difficult childhood. For many of us, being held responsible is equal to getting caught. A friend who returns each year to his native Italy told me with a twinkle in his eye of a dinner out with his family, when the bill came, my friend's father, who was fastidious, examined each scribbled item. After some study, he deciphered the last entry and recognized it to be a short expression that translates roughly, if it goes, it goes. He then called the waiter and asked, what is this item? And the waiter shrugged, it didn't go. Many of us feel that if a clerk gives us too much change and we take it, our life has been affected only to the extent that we have come into an unexpected gain. In fact, each of our acts affects us in far-reaching ways. Every action, thought, and feeling is motivated by an intention. And that intention is a cause that exists as one with an effect. If we participate in the cause, it is not possible for us not to participate in the effect. In this most profound way, we are held responsible for our, our every action, thought, and feeling, which is to say, for our every intention. We ourselves shall partake of the fruit of our every intention, it is therefore wise for us to become aware of the many intentions that inform our experience, to sort out which intentions produce which effects, and to choose our intentions according to the effects that we desire to produce. This is the way that we learned about physical reality as children, and that we refine our knowledge of it as adults. We learn the effect of crying when we were hungry, and we repeat the cause that brings us the effect that we desire. We learn the effect of putting a finger in the light socket, and we do not repeat that cause that produces that effect. We also learn about intentions and their effects through our experiences in physical reality. But learning that intention, that intentions produce specific effects, and that those effects are perceived slowly when our learning must be done solely through the density of physical matter, Anger, for example, causes distance and hostile interactions. If we must learn this, that this solely through physical experiences, we may have to experience 10 or 50 or 150 circumstances of distance from another 
and hostile interaction before we come to understand that it is the orientation of anger on our part, the intention of hostility and distance, and not this particular action or that, which produces the effect that we do not want. It is predominantly the way that a five, this is predominantly the way that a five-sensory human learns. The relationship of cause and effect within the domain of physical objects and phenomena reflects a dynamic that is not limited to physical reality. This is the dynamic of karma. Everything in the physical world, including each of us, is a small part of dynamics that are more extensive than a five-century human can perceive. The love, fear, compassion, and anger that you experience, for example, are only a small part of the love, fear, compassion, and anger of a larger energy system that you, don't, you do not see. Within physical reality, the dynamic of karma is reflected by the third law of motion. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. In other words, the great law of karma that governs the balancing of energy within our evolutionary system is reflected within the domain of physical objects and phenomena by the last of three principles, three laws of motion that govern the balancing of energy within physical reality. The law of karma is an impersonal energy of dynamic. When it affects our personalized, that is, experience from the point of view of the personality, they are experienced as a reversal in the direction, a coming back to the intender, to the intender of the energy of his or her intention. And this is how the personality experiences the impersonal dynamic that is described by the third law as an equal and opposite reaction. The person who intends hatred for others experiences the intention of hatred from others. The person who intends love for others experiences the intention of love from others and so forth. The golden rule is a behavioral guide that is based upon the dynamics of karma. A personalized statement of karma would be, you receive from the world what you give to the world. Karma is not a moral dynamic. Morality is a human creation. The universe does not judge the law of karma governs the balancing of energy within our system of morality and within those of our neighbors. It serves humanity as an impersonal and universal teacher of responsibility. And so uh, I think that we're coming near. We have about eight minutes remaining, and I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to conclude this portion of the show. Barbara Wesley Gray 
And for my wife, uh, you can key in Queen Mother Spirit Change or Spirit Change. Spirit Change. Yes. And uh, she also has a uh, a fan page. Where's the, uh, the the title of the fan page, huh? Spirit Change. Spirit Change also. <laughs> and I have a, uh, uh, I will be creating a fan page uh, and launching it uh, by this week. But I also have a page titled One Billion Drummers for Global Peace. And I invite all of you to join uh, us with that particular initiative, and that is to uh, inspire uh, those of us who are drummers and those of us who are not drummers but who desire to drum. And, of course, I encourage you to buy a drum. Uh, you can use my venue, uh, which is my website, uh, drumsofchange.com, and I have drums that are very reasonably priced, professionally uh, crafted by brothers and sisters throughout the African diaspora, such as in Kenya and Ghana and, and Tanzania. And I encourage you to uh, spread the word that uh, by the end of the year 2012, we hope to have uh, at least a million uh, uh, throughout our household and village of the African diaspora to have a designated drummer so that we can play the drum uh, when a, a new soul comes into the earth. Uh, it's born on the earth to celebrate its birth, and, of course, all birthdays, wedding ceremonies, any major event that happens within the community, and, of course, when one goes into transition and leaves the earth to go back home uh, to, to the spirit world, uh, that there be a designated drummer. I also would like to uh, share with you that my wife offers uh, free introductory metaphysical workshops in, here in New York City. Uh, if you're interested in learning about divination and candlework and meditation, uh, she also provides guidance on how to set up an altar, along with uh, other various rituals. Uh, she conducts a free workshop, a support group for those diagnosed with type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Uh, their families, uh, this is offered for individuals, their families, and their caretakers. And this support group is built on a holistic and spiritual principles. Um, my wife uh, distributes a holistic remedy for diabetes, which she personally uses herself, and it's available for purchase uh, from her uh, in the New York City area. And uh, you can go online uh, to the website, which is uh, uh, com. I repeat that, com. So please feel free to contact me or my wife directly uh, at her um, website, if you desire to purchase the product. So this concludes uh, this evening's show. You may, again, uh, I mentioned earlier that you may purchase books such as the one that we have discussed this evening, uh, that being The Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukav. And then, of course, there are other books. I've had uh, the pleasure of having uh, our esteemed guest, uh, Dr. Maladomi Patrice Tome. Uh, you can purchase The Water and the Spirit and the Healing Wisdom of Africa, as authored by him, and also by his wife, Sabonfu uh, Somi, uh, The Spirit of Integration. Uh, that can be purchased at my secure online store by following the link on my website at drumsofchange.com. I, I, again, thank you, and I end by saying a prayer to our Most High. Dear God, we give this evening to you May our minds stay centered on the things of spirit and goodness, and may we not be tempted to stray from love. As we begin this week, we open to receive you, and we ask you right. May our minds and hearts be pure and true, and may we not deviate from the things of goodness. May we see the love and innocence in all mankind behind the mask we all wear and the illusions of this worldly plane. We surrender to you our doings this day. We ask only that they serve you and the healing of the world. And may we bring your love and goodness with us, with us to give unto others wherever we go. Make us the people that you would have us be. Direct our footsteps and shorts where you would have us stand. Make the world a safe and more beautiful place. Bless all your creatures and heal us all. And use us, dear Lord, that we might know the joy of being used by you. We thank you again. And again we say namaste, shalom, assalamu alaikum, one love, peace and blessings. God bless.